Why are so many New Yorkers food insecure? And what can we do about it? Let's learn together. Welcome. I'm Samantha Deliberti, founder of the social impact hub, Orange You Going, and this is Progress Through Purpose. Progress Through Purpose helps you discover issues you're passionate about, like the environment, social equality, affordable housing, and more, and makes it easy for you to affect change while connecting with like-minded New Yorkers in person. Learn from experts working on the vital issues impacting the largest city in the U.S., and hear the solutions they propose. Then meet us in person. Join the Og Squad, a community of changemakers who meet to affect change together. Build new friendships, expand your network, and advance your career through civic engagement, all while uplifting our city. Learn more about the movement at orangeyougoing.com. Hey, Og Squad. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today, we're joined by Leslie Gordon, the president and CEO of the Food Bank for New York City, which has provided $1.2 billion, with a B, meals for New York since the 1980s. Leslie joined the food bank at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic and oversaw the doubling of the food bank's annual output of food, from 70 million pounds to nearly 150 million pounds in less than 18 months. She has worked to feed our neighbors for over a decade. Leslie, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, it's my honor and I'm delighted to share the time with you and your listeners. So let's get started with the basics. Can you tell us what is considered food insecure? How do we define that term? So I'll start with the more technical answer to that question, and then we'll dive into how I would otherwise answer the question. So our federal United States Department of Agriculture, or otherwise referred to as the USDA, thinks about food insecurity as a lack of really consistent access to enough food for an active, healthy life. And so it really means that someone should not have to think about on a regular basis or even episodically, where's my next meal coming from and what it's going to be? And that shouldn't be a struggle. I think the biggest thing to remember is that more people than you think are one meal or one paycheck, one moment away from experiencing hunger. Hunger isn't necessarily something that you can see. It's really quite invisible. And so unless someone shared with you or perhaps you work at a local food bank, food pantry, soup kitchen, or other organization that's engaged in this incredible work, it could be your neighbor. It could be a family member. It could be a good friend. It's an uncomfortable topic to talk about. I also think it's incredibly important to know that, that hunger and food insecurity are closely related. Some people talk about it in the context of hunger. Some people say food insecurity. They're actually distinct concepts. So hunger, we always, you know, people say, I feel hungry or I'm hungry. So hunger is that personal physical sensation that is uncomfortable. Food insecurity really refers to the lack of available financial resources for food, and it's measured at the household level. What's important to know as we dig even further into my answer to your question is that food insecurity doesn't exist in isolation. So families that don't have enough financial resources are typically affected by multiple overlapping issues, which include things like lack of affordable housing, social isolation, underemployment, unemployment, structural racism, 
chronic health problems, high medical costs. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And it can be really frustrating for people. It's not an abstract concept. So food insecurity is really quite literally almost everywhere across the United States. And right here in our great city, Food Bank for New York City, we're in the business of helping families and seniors and kids and veterans and people in the LGBTQIA community get connected to good, nutritious food where and when they need it, in the amounts that they need it, and food that makes sense. I tell people that it's not nutritious if people won't eat it. And so we pay close attention and increasingly pay close attention to food that's culturally relevant, familiar, religiously relevant. And so that's what I would say in answer to your question. So I think, you know, it's just kind of mind boggling that so many people are food insecure in New York. And maybe you can give us a little bit of the lay of the land of what food insecurity looks like in New York City. So how many people are we talking about? Are they in certain communities? Really just the state of food insecurity in New York. Sure. So incredibly, in one of the richest cities in the world, our neighbors are struggling to get enough food to quite literally live. And they're living super stressful lives. It's really hard to do basic things in life when you don't have enough to eat. I mean, so I know, for example, that I can become ornery or what some people call hangry when I don't have enough access to food. And I'm really not, you know, as productive as I'd like to be when I don't have, you know, three square meals a day. So in in New York City, about 1.6 million New Yorkers rely on Food Bank for New York City and our on-the-ground network of about 800 member organizations across the five boroughs. That's food pantries, soup kitchens, shelters, senior centers community-based organizations like a Boys and Girls Club or a local Y, institutions of of higher education. Interestingly, in the United States, between 30 and 40% of higher education students are food insecure. And healthcare institutions, there's real intersectionality between, of course, access to good nutritious food and good health. We're a city of about 8.4 million residents. And so that's more than 20% of the constituency that resides in New York City. And sadly, I'm here with you this morning to say that the number is growing. So we are very data-centric at Food Bank for New York City and keep our fingers on the the pulse of what's going on on the ground, not only qualitatively, but quantitatively. And so when we look at the data, for example, July 2022 over July 2021, in terms of, you know, the numbers and times that people are visiting our food assistance programs on the ground, and it's grown 10%. And I think my heart sank when I saw that data because the impression The prevailing impression is is that since the media took its eyes off of COVID and you're not hearing about it as much, and therefore not as much about food assistance and people relying on it, we became media darlings overnight during the pandemic because people turned their attention to these long lines, miles and miles and miles across the United States. But to be fair, we're going to be at this for some time. Communities take a really long time to recover. Food Bank for New York City has been at this work for nearly 40 years. 
And so we have the benefit of seeing the impact of challenging times such as 9-11, the 2008 economic downturn, uh, Hurricane Sandy in New York City, and now the pandemic. And I can tell you that it takes you know, between five and 10 years minimally for some communities to recover. And so a lot of people have walked off the field. The way I describe it is, is that, you know, the government came with, you know, lights ablazing and additional resources for which we're eternally grateful. But then the bottom dropped out. Everybody walked off the playing field, took the uniforms off the helmets, you know, hung up the cleats as if the problem remedied itself overnight. But very unfortunately, again, I'm here to tell you that that's just not the case. And New York City is one of the most expensive places in the world to live. And so if you're a family of, let's say, one adult and two kids, you need to minimally, depending upon where you live across the five boroughs, make between eighty dollars and $100,000 a year. And of course, we know that there's a large number of people in our great city who make nowhere near that amount to be able to cover the, the basic costs of living, rent, paying your utilities, putting food on the tables, clothes for your kids. And so it's a very stubborn problem, but at Food Bank for New York City, we're in it to win it. And we're very efficient at what we do. And so every donor dollar we take very seriously and we put it to work it turns into roughly five meals. And so that's- Just to, clar- just to clarify, $1 turns into five meals. It does. $1 turns wow. into five meals. It's kind of incredible, right? And so how we do that is we have a expert team of food sourcing and procurement folks at Food Bank for New York City who bring their experience and muscle to bear. And they're consistently on the phone every day talking with farmers, food manufacturers, big box retailers who are supporters of ours and others about you know food supply. And so we're competing on the open market with you know the likes of, of Stop and Shop or, or ShopRite, you know, Costco, among some others, when we're talking about bringing food in by the tractor trailer load. So it's it's the economies of scale by which we source food that helps us secure food, pennies on the dollar in some cases, but it's good nutritious food at that. We're not the food police at Food Bank for New York City, but there's an incredible variety that's in our inventory. It's meat, it's poultry, it's fish, dairy products, eggs, good fresh produce, you know, uh, shelf stable goods, dried beans, rice, you name it. We're, we're here for New Yorkers, kosher food, halal food. We're home to one of the nation's largest kosher observant populations. And so that's important to us. And similarly, a growing halal observant population. And so we take that into consideration when we're sourcing for our inventory. So you've mentioned that this is, this is an ongoing problem. It's been around for quite a while. We have seen the city go through issues like you mentioned 9-11, the pandemic, and this is a seems to be a cycle. I am still a little confused at how people are hungry or food insecure, given that we have what I think the average American sees as a safety net. So we have government food benefits, 
We have food pantries. We have free lunch at school. In terms of this system, where does the food bank for New York City fit in? And why are people with all of these resources still food insecure and hungry? So two point government benefits help. There's SNAP, there's home heating assistance, there's WIC for young families with children, there's SNAP, formerly called food stamps, there's tax credits, there's an increasing child tax credit. Um, The subsidies actually help, but the, the need is actually, the deficit is so great. So for example, There was a historic milestone in that the SNAP program experienced just about a 15% uptick during the pandemic that's permanent. In the the times that we're living right now, the cost of food far outpaces dollar for dollar that increase that the SNAP program experienced for people who are participating. And so, you know, you, you fill the hole, but the bottom drops out and the hole's bigger. It's a very complicated problem. And so the for a long time, social benefits have not kept pace with the increasing costs of living. And that's a, that's a big part of it. Living wages haven't really kept up with the realities of what it costs to, to meet basic needs. And if you're earning $15 for an hour, for example, which sounds like a lot to some people, but on an annualized basis, given what I described to you earlier as the the minimum amount that somebody would need to make in order to meet basic ends meet in New York City, they wouldn't even come close. $15 an hour is just a little over $30,000 a year. It's not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned at the top of the podcast, some of the implications of having, of being food insecure and having so many food insecure New Yorkers in the city. Can you expand on that a little bit? You talked about students, but what are the broader implications of having so many New Yorkers be hungry in our city? Yeah, I mean, on an individualized, but also broader level, food insecurity, as an example, is known to impact someone's health status. And it puts individuals at greater risk, for example, for chronic diseases such as diabetes, hypertension, osteoporosis, kidney disease. And so individuals with diet-sensitive chronic disease and food insecurity experience difficulties managing their health, leading to more health complications, more emergency room use or emergency rooms are full, hospital stays and readmissions, and and ultimately higher health care costs for us all across the United States, but regionally and locally as well, right here in New York City. You know, to put it into even further context, we know that food insecure patients have an average of about, call it eighteen to nineteen hundred dollars in extra health care expenses every single year. That's a lot for people who are having trouble, you know, meeting basic requirements to live. And so that's just some additional context and and color. We're working really, really hard to meet the need. So we've got some innovative programs like our campus pantry program, which provides food and resources to students on CUNY and other campuses. 
Also, from kindergartners to grade 12, we're providing food at food pantries inside of New York City's school system. Um, we're really looking to help every New Yorker to have the, the tools they need to overcome food insecurity so that they can be more economically stable and, frankly, independent. What might come as a surprise to some is that Food Bank is not only supporting food for today. We've had a long and now growing legacy of focusing in on the root causes, some of which we've talked about this morning, that underlie why someone's food insecure to begin with. And so as an example, we're one of the nation's largest tax preparation organizations outside of the U.S. military. We help prepare you know, tens of thousands of individual tax returns for free every year. And the average return to those individuals is about $1,800, which can be the largest lump wow. it's, it's kind of incredible, right? Largest lump sum of cash that someone might receive in the course of a year. So it could be transformational for people. This episode is brought to you by City and State Media, New York's premier outlet for New York politics and policy. Subscribe to the must-read daily newsletter, First Read, at cityandstateny.com. First Read is the quickest way to stay up to date on NY's biggest political and policy news. Always be in the know. Visit cityandstateny.com to learn more. That is really surprising. And can I ask, why did that program, why did the food bank see that program, that tax program, as a need? You know, part of it is that Inherently, we're focused on lifting people and taking a human-centered approach and really focusing in on dignity. It's important that people have dignity. And so when you have your own cash, you can make your own decisions. You, you know, can feel empowered to go into a grocery store and buy whatever you want with your own dollars. That's just so, so important. The, this particular program has a dual impact, not only for the people who receive the dollars, but also puts you know, between 30 and $40 million a year back into the local economy because folks are spending those dollars at you know, local bodegas, small independent grocery stores, big box retailers, and others who are sources of good nutritious food on the retail market in New York City. And so we are supporting the economic engine along with residents in New York City at the same time. Do you have tax advisors on staff or do you work with an external group to make this happen, make this program happen? So each tax season, um, we receive support from nearly 400 volunteers who give generously of their time to prepare individual tax returns for low-income New Yorkers. Uh, They could be college students who are in an accounting program, or could be accountants or, or CPAs from the corporate sector who, again, give generously of their time to prepare people's taxes. This is a program that's been ongoing for a decade or more. And so we certainly have a a contingency of people who really love participating and come back year after year. And then we have people, of course, who are are new to this, and we welcome them warmly to participate in helping New Yorkers gain access to what's coming to them in in their tax returns. Interestingly, during 
the pandemic, we implemented and put into place a virtual end-to-end tax preparation program, which is pretty cool if I do say so myself. And it means that someone doesn't need to come in person. We can literally take documents online or via secure text from folks and then go to work diligently preparing their taxes. And that's a pretty big deal because there's such a thing as time poverty. So not only are folks struggling to get enough money or to have enough access to good nutritious food, they often struggle with having enough time to be able to secure all the resources that they need to live a stable and healthy life. And so we're glad to be able to make it just a little bit easier for them. It's really interesting that you bring up this idea of time poverty. I have never heard it phrased like that. But I years ago had an experience where I was trying to open up a P.O. box and the post office asked me for documentation of where I like a a utility kind of document or something with my name on it. But at the time I was living at home, I was in between places, so I didn't have anything with my name on it. Then they said, okay, well, you could give us something like a car payment or something, or I didn't have a car. I lived in New York City. And then finally, they said you could get a document from the Board of Elections, which without a car would require a multi-hour trip on a bus to go to the Board of Elections office. And it was honestly, I felt at that moment so frustrated, but also so grateful that I did not have to deal with this day in and day out because That was just for a post office box. Imagine trying to raise children, get it, you know, go to work every day and then apply for all of these government benefits. If I were food insecure, needed food stamps, something like that. It was shocking to me. And I was outraged, (laughs) totally and completely outraged that somebody who in my position or in a similar position, if they were renting from someone, you know, didn't have that kind of documentation would struggle so much and not even be able to receive their mail in a safe and secure way when they're applying for benefits. So absolute, absolute nightmare. It's interesting you say that we have a activity that we do with partners as a moment of education and it's, it's called a hunger simulation. And so we give you a, a scenario of a fictitious household and we run you through a battery of real life experiences, much like you just described. So you might go to a fictitious bodega and find out that you have $10 to feed your family that night, but eggs are $4 all by themselves. And what do you do? Or you have to take this bus or, or that subway or this taxi the transportation alone eats up a pretty significant portion of your budget just to access resources. We don't make it easy on people to be able to secure support that they need to be able to live a dignified, healthy, and secure life. And like you, it makes me absolutely irate. Right. Like life is not difficult enough. Uh, So, We could probably talk for a while about the food bank and how it works. You mentioned that you have 800 member organizations, but I guess in summary, (laughs) how is the food bank day-to-day serving New Yorkers to get this food out and distributed? Yeah, so we have a, a incredibly talented staff team who, in my humble opinion, are at the nexus of talent and, and being just incredibly good, down-to-earth, kind human beings. 
with amazing passion focused on this mission every single day. We're about a group of, of 300 at Food Bank for New York City. And the hub of our operation is located in the Hunts Point section of the South Bronx, um, in good company with the world's largest wholesale produce terminal, the meat market, and the fish market as well. And so we're in a nearly 90,000 square foot facility. And there's an incredible hum that goes on behind the scenes every day to stage and get food to people. It's essentially a, a fulfillment center. I tell people we're like the Amazon of food banks. We pick and pack food to order that goes right to a, a soup kitchen or a food pantry or a senior center or shelter on the ground. We release between 30 and 40 refrigerated trucks every single morning that crisscross the highways and byways of every single borough to get food into neighborhoods on nearly every single street across New York City. And we're glad to be able to do it. That is fascinating. So in conclusion, what is your call to action for our listeners today? And how can the Og Squad get involved and support the food bank. Love it. So we happen to be talking in September and September is National Hunger Action Month. It's a perfect time to get involved, to donate, to volunteer, to advocate. Obviously we rely on the generosity of donors and every single dollar counts. So a dollar equals five meals. We've got this really cool and timely partnership going on with something called Threes Brewing during Hunger Action Month. We just released yesterday what we're calling Food for Thought Beer. It's a lager that we produced in Brooklyn with rescued bread from a nearby bakery called Runner and Stone. And it's an opportunity to talk about food waste as an example. So about 30% of the waste in New York City is, is made up of, of food waste at the same time that 1.6 million New Yorkers are facing food insecurity, and much of that is good excess food that's perfectly fit for human consumption. And so the lager called Food for Thought is a way for us to help get people engaged, some for the first time in understanding food insecurity and the role that they can play. You can visit us at www.foodbanknyc.org to learn more about how you can become an active volunteer. Things are opening back up again, and so we welcome volunteers to help us come cook hot meals at our community kitchen, where we turn out about 800 hot meals a day to the community. Or you can come help us pack goods at our warehouse in the South Bronx, or you can help become involved in advocacy efforts. You're never really too young. I mean, we take volunteers as young as four or five, and you're never too old to participate in helping us do our good work to fulfill our mission at, at Food Bank for New York City. And can I ask, what are some of those advocacy efforts that you mentioned? Yeah, so one of the upcoming advocacy efforts that we'll be focused on, particularly in 2023, is around something called the Farm Bill. The Farm Bill comes up for renewal every couple of years. And that bill supports not only growers and farmers who produce the food, but it also supports the SNAP program, again, formerly called food stamps, and something called TFAP, the Emergency Food Assistance Program. So about 50% of the food that we move at our food bank comes from that program. It's food that comes to us through the USDA. Um, it's not the powdered milk and five-pound blocks of cheese of yesteryear. It's food that you would see on your supermarket shelf. 
And we need to let our government know that we need to increase food to continue to meet the elevated and stubbornly high need that continues on even even after the pandemic. Great. It sounds like we have a lot of work to do. So I just want to thank you so much for joining us today for all of the work that you do and that your team does in supporting New Yorkers. Oh, my pleasure. Glad to share the time with you. Uh, Thanks for having us. Be sure to check out our next episode where we learn how theater is being used to fight oppression. Get the most of Orange You Going, New York's social impact hub. When you join the Og Squad for free, you receive event notifications curated to your interests. Never miss a change-making event. Orange You Going to be there? Are you hosting a social impact event? Post it for free on orangeyougoing.com to reach the most engaged New Yorkers. When you post with us, we promote it to our email list of nearly 10,000 subscribers across social media and on orangeyougoing.com. Let's engage New Yorkers together.